This is Model Behavior. I am Michael G. Gable, and this is my podcast. Welcome to it. Uh, there's a scene in Zoolander where Fabio wins an award for being the best actor slash model and not the other way around, which is <laughs> a pretty hysterical quote. And for me, I would probably consider myself the opposite. I am a model slash sometimes actor. I do commercial acting. I've done some short films and some really small parts in indies and whatnots, but I'm mostly a model. But today's guest, Darius Marcellin, would definitely consider himself an actor. And until we met on a modeling shoot, he didn't even consider himself a model. And I was like, dude, you're getting paid to model. You're a professional model. And he has since owned that title. But we'll get to that conversation. Um, I want to talk about a few things going on in my life. I just started working on a brand new serial killer piece, which has a little different angle on it, and I am debuting it at my good buddy Mike Glazer's show, Glazed, at the Hollywood Improv in LA on December 19th. So if you want to come see some of my art in person, um, see some amazing performers, comedians, musicians, it's always the best variety show in town. I suggest you buy tickets because it will sell out. Hollywoodimprov.com, glazed, December 19th. See you there. Um, other than that, been sitting a little heavy post-Thanksgiving. I found that in the past few years, uh, my body kind of has a natural set point of 190. And I can adjust that. Um, if I up my carbs and lift a little heavier, I'll, I'll fill out more, but I'll also soften up a little bit. And if I skip breakfast and cut carbs and do more activities, what I like to call my vitamin D activities, which include surfing and climbing and hiking, a little bit of yoga, I will lean out, but I won't look as full, muscular. And that's a good range to be in because I can be the guy with his shirt off who has abs given the right lighting conditions and dehydration levels and and whatnot, but I can also be a guy with a sweater who looks relatable. Like if you saw my Nordic Track commercial that came out, I was the guy who was envious of the guy with abs. So I'm in this this kind of perfect range where I can go between and, and kind of play to both sides of that character. Uh, unless I spend Thanksgiving in Louisiana for a week eating gumbo every single day. Uh, I stepped on the scale, I was 200 and two pounds, which is a little much for me. It's a little more than I like to walk around at, but it also feels good. Like walking around 200 pounds, I'm six one plus, you just kind of feel sturdy. And it reminds me of a story from a few years ago. You know, my, I used to weigh around 175. That was kind of my natural set point because I got big legs and, um, my, my upper body doesn't have the widest frame, so I had to fill that out to match my legs and make my body look proportional. So while I was doing that, I just bulked, and I got up to 210. I was eating like a horse. I was benching 250 for five, um, just felt like 
a monster and also was very soft, which is tough in the modeling industry when you walk into an audition and you're bulking and they say, take your shirt off and you just know it's not what they're looking for. But it was a necessary evil and I did it. And it's fun. It's fun being that big. And it's also addictive putting weight on the bar is that you just keep getting stronger and stronger. And since we're coming up on Christmas, it reminds me of this story where my dad came out to LA for Christmas one year and we were going to the liquor store last minute to buy some eggnog or something. And if you know parking in LA, it's always crazy. But around Christmas time, it was it's like a war zone. It's like every parking lot is a Trader Joe's parking lot. And I was going to turn into a spot and this guy swooped in and stole my spot. It was very clear that he was stealing my spot. So I just, I was like, nope, not today. And I just kind of pulled my car up and put the nose behind his car. Like, I'm going to sit here. And this dude gets down, gets out of his car with his head down and starts to walk directly towards me like he's going to say something, like he's going to be like, you know, fuck you, man, this is my spot. And I'm sitting there, I got a trucker hat on, I got a big beard, I got a sweatshirt on, my arms hanging out the window, I look like Tom Hardy in the off season. And I don't even, I don't make any facial expression, I've got sunglasses on, you can't even see my eyes, and the dude pulls his head up, looks at me and goes... I'll move my car right now. And he just gets back in his car and moves out and lets me park. And my dad turns to me and goes, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, So yeah, it feels good to walk around at 200 plus, but that's not my character. That's not what I go out for. I go out for a guy who is 190 and either shredded or just, you know, athletic as they would say in a lot of castings. So that's that story. I'm definitely going to be cutting a little bit right now, just being more careful, skipping breakfast, doing something close to intermittent fasting and watching the amount of carbs I eat, but I'll get back to where I need to be, no problem. But I want to talk about today's guest because I had met Darius before and I'd actually been on his podcast, 1000 Failures, and I knew he was you know, super well-spoken and super thoughtful and super sharp, but I had some preconceived notions about him. And a lot like models, people tend to come in with an idea of who or what we are. And it's generally wrong. And I was very wrong about Darius, about who he is and where he came from and how he got to where he is. And that's why I love this podcast. That's what I love about having these conversations is just discovering that people aren't what you think they are. And their stories are far more fascinating than you can ever believe. And the things you can learn from them, if you just open up and have a conversation vulnerably and look them in the eyes for an hour are immeasurable. I mean, this guy just drops knowledge bombs left and right. So I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. I'm going to listen to it again. So without further ado, Darius Marcella. Pretty close to the face. Um, this is interesting because the tables have turned on us, man. Last time I was sitting on that side, right. you were sitting on this side. You're interviewing me on your podcast, right? No, I'm in the hot seat. Now you're in the hot seat. It's all on you. You got the nice <laughs> shirt on. You look better than me. Yeah, it's just, all about you. Just moved into a new apartment. Yeah, I have um, good wardrobe on. You have nice wardrobe. But <laughs> you, you just changed out of your uh, what did you call it? Like relatable. My, my middle America. Middle America. I had a I had a Coles callback yeah. and um, 
and I had to put a flannel on with a t-shirt underneath. Classic look. I have that look in my closet. But yeah, like you were just dealing with your Wi-Fi. I came from a casting. You came from a casting. I was at the gym. It's just another day. And you're like, we're literally sitting amongst all your boxes. All my boxes. All your boxes. You just moved to a new apartment in the same building, but we're getting it done. And that's why I like you because you, you get shit done, man. Model actor life. Yeah. But we have to get it done. Yeah, because... I went back and I was listening to our episode on your podcast, A Thousand Failures, and your intro on fear is just like spot on. Like that's like the whole thing about following your fear and taking one actionable step forward. Right. You know, you can have big goals and big dreams, but what can I do today? I really love that. And um, I want to start with the very first step of this podcast. There's only one question on my podcast, which is, what were you up to when you were seven years old? At seven years old, I was... In Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. Okay. That's where and you grew up. That's where yeah. I was born. And and I, I was there till I was a teenager. And watching the New York Knicks play basketball. Okay. Old school New York Knicks back in the 90s. And that shaped my life. Really? Full stop. That sounds really? crazy, right? The New York Knicks in the 90s. I'll tell you why. Because that team was a bunch of scrappers, a bunch of fighters. There was an all-star patrick ewan was an all-star sure. but the rest of the guys were just scrappers and fighters it was the only channel only basketball game we could get on tv in trinidad tv was black and white really no cable yeah and i just fell in love with madison square garden and i said one day i will perform in madison square garden i thought i was going to be a next player but sure every but seven-year-old thinks they are i know and i but madison square garden <laughs> new york city was back of my mind from yeah. age seven all the way through to today, you know? Yeah. And one of my dreams was just to be on the court at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And I look back on my Facebook uh, memories and I had <laughs> I had floor seats next to the team. You did it. You know, in 2012. Yeah. So when I look back at that and I said, at seven years old to now, it's so important to have those dreams and to be a kid even when you're an adult yeah and that's so cool that you had this like you had this physical dream of madison square garden a place to get to which you got to because in the last episode i was talking about how i memorize lines quickly and it's about like visualization and these creating these memory palaces and if you can right. do that and visualize it it just sticks a lot better right and so you had this actual palace madison square garden is a palace that you were trying to aspire to and you got there so okay i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of room to cover here from seven watching the knicks on a black and white tv mm -hmm. to 2012 being in new york what what did your life look like in between those two points it was a lot of dreaming and being in a different country yeah being in a third world country and just seeing america on the outside I had no idea New York was cold. <laughs> I had no idea New York was cold. But I played soccer. I had a choice to play soccer. And this is this is a, a breaking point in my in my life. I had a choice to play soccer or basketball. Yeah. And I chose soccer because I was I thought I was too short. And not knowing anything, there was no Google to say, what is this player? Oh, they're actually players at six feet that yeah. play in the NBA. Mugsy Bugs, how even, like five five. Or even just going to college. Yeah. And um I was offered a few scholarships in random places, um, Appalachian State, some just some crazy places. Yeah. But I said I had to make my way to New York. 
right? The home, yeah. of the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So uh, I got a full scholarship to St. Francis. I played soccer there. And from there, while I was in college, you know, just going out to New York, I got involved in the nightlife scene and Uh-oh. and Uh-oh. started my <laughs> events company yeah. while while I was in college in, oh, in, wow. in sophomore, junior year. And it really took off. And I could say that it helped started to fund my entertainment yeah. acting career. So you you got to Madison Square Garden. You had to give up the basketball dream, focus on the, the soccer yeah. dream, which was more, you thought, realistic in and in a way, it got you closer to New York, closer to Madison Square Garden. Right. And <laughs> when you say you got into the nightlife scene, I thought of like, you know, you got into the party scene, but it sounds like you did it in a productive way right. where you were on your game. And do you think, I mean, it's probably not, a, it's probably a pretty redundant question or a rhetorical question, but like coming from humble beginnings, do you think the opportunity of being in New York gave you more um, gratitude for what was available to you and then where you could take it from there? Yeah, it definitely did because when I lived in Trinidad, I I could easily relate it to low middle income. Mm-hmm. Um, my neighborhood wasn't that good and I probably was one of few people coming out of Trinidad to go, on to, go into America and yeah. do something. But moving to America... I slept on the floor at first and I had to clean homes at first. Wow. So I broke out of my normal habit of having my mom take care of me to now I'm taking care of myself. And in New York, you don't want to be out on the street. You know, no. California, you could pop a tent maybe, yeah. but you don't want to be out on the street. So, you know, I had to do stuff that I didn't do in my life and yeah. cleaning homes and was never anything that I did, but I knew I had to make ends meet. And, I didn't have that much money. Just leave it as that at first. So that's that's. I mean, that's amazing. First of all, because New York is maybe the most uncaring place in the uncaring. world. Uncaring. No, like you could be having a seizure on the sidewalk and have people just stepping over you on the way to the subway. Right. You know, no one gives a shit. And to go from Trinidad, where you probably you know it's low income, but you probably had a strong community. Man, family. I had food cooked for me yeah. every single yeah. day. And then to go to some sleep on the floor, you know, scrapping to right. to get your meals, taking that leap to follow a dream is so admirable. And I'll be honest, like I was talking to my girlfriend before I came to interview you, and I was I was like, yeah, he's from Trinidad and Tobago, but like Tobago, Trin- Tobago, Tobago. Okay, got it right the first time. But you know, I've seen you on set. We've worked together. You drive a nice car. You have a nice apartment. I assumed that you had money when you grew up. Grew up. Right. I assume you came from like this family that was like, "Oh, we'll send him to LA. He can be an actor." Right. So that just goes to show that you know the whole point of this podcast is like models and actors. We're not who you think we are. Right. So that I mean, that just makes me respect you so much more. Wow, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I, I I would want people, anyone listening, to just know that. It's about creating value for yourself. And the older I get, it's the more I realize this world rewards people who add the most value. It's not about how hard you work because you could be digging a hole for 60 years of your life and Mm -hmm. have that same job. But are you that person who's nice digging a hole? You know, that value, you know, that value where people are going to miss you. And for me, I had the self-employed mind while I was in college. I was in college and... And starting my events company, that I at one point we employed forty people. I was a junior in college, That's right? Incredible. And I had an office in me packing, yeah. And and was still going to classes and still and still playing soccer until I was like, all right, I have to hang up the trying to play the professional uh, yeah. soccer route and focus on this. 
But I realized at an early age in my career that I had to create value. I had to, uh, all the all the nightclubs and the, the people looking to do events, mm-hmm. they wanted, in New York people, it's results driven. Yeah. It's not about showing up. It's about results. If you had to produce. So for me, I learned early, I had to produce. I had to create value. I had to say, why would you hire you again? Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to, I just did a job. I wanted to do the job and above and beyond. And that's the same. Uh, everybody should look at things with their career yeah. as, as actors and models. Yeah, uh, I, I learned at an early age, what value could you bring? And that's what yeah. I would say New York taught me into transitioning into the entertainment career of acting, modeling, and yeah. speaking. Well, that's my next kind of question is because you're you're an actor. You you say you're an actor. You claim you're not a model. You which told is, me I'm a, you branded me a model. And, I'm, a model. I, and from that day, you, you put me in there. I yeah. said, you know what, Darius? Yeah. I and, can add that on there. And because on the last episode with Tara, we talked about how modeling is just acting for a moment. You're caught in a moment I, I of love acting. That. I yeah. love that. I'm stealing that. Still, yeah. T- I just made it up. Or she made it up. I don't know. But it's, you know, it, the best modeling, you have honesty of your emotion. So the camera is capturing, you know, it's, they're like, Darius and Michael, okay, look at each other. I want you to cheers. Pretend like you're friends. And if I am thinking a thought where like, oh, this is my man, Darius, like even if I don't know you and there's an honesty of that emotion of friendship and camaraderie behind my eyes and your eyes, the camera captures it for that second. Even if we're just repeating the same thing over and over again and it looks so stupid, the camera captures that, and then that evokes an emotion in whoever sees the final spot. Right. It's just the same as a film or a, a TV show or anything else. Right. So you are a model. Yes. <laughs> you I, just I, do it for I, a more I, extended period of time, which is scarier. Yeah. And in a world where, like in LA, where it feels like you can be so interchangeable, you know, there's a million middle America black guys who wear a flannel and a t-shirt and can go to sure. a callback why are you the guy they should pick? And it's that value. And that I really like that because it is about who's going to be more pleasant on set, who's going to, you know, get more takes, who's going to get less tired, who's going to, you know, not put up with the most bullshit, but just, you know, grin and bear it to a certain extent. And like, that's what you're talking about is adding that value. So why in a market in New York where it's clear you were making money, you had 40 employees in college, you're like a little Mark Zuckerberg. um, Would you go... And try to become an actor. Like, now, yeah. Now, for me, it it was always my dream to entertain. I was always an entertainer. I was always starting off as a talking class, making people laugh. And I was always into movies and TV shows. From every house I have in, every room has to have a TV in. Yeah. You know, that's just me. This, <laughs> I have three TVs in here, right? Yeah. So this is just who I am. I just love I love that side of the art. I'm not a singer. I'm not a dancer. I'm not a, a poet. Yeah. I'm not a writer. Yeah. I can't write for anything. Yeah. But I could see the craft. I could see performances. And this is my true gift. So got into the New York and hit on a few shows. And while I was on set, and I, I wasn't a big risk taker, even though looking back, it's like you crossed the whole pond to come over here. You're a risk taker. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a guy, on the makeup artist on set, he was like, man, you should move to LA. I think you'd do so good there. Yeah. Buck hit in my head. I was on the chair. I was like, let me look up flights. Right. This was February. In March, I booked my flight. And in May, I moved in 2017. But wait, wait, wait. So how did how'd you get on those first sets in New York? Because uh, it sounds like you were sports, academics, 
job. All right, quit sports. Sports okay. quit. Yeah, done. Um, just played semi-pro. Yeah. School's done. Uh, school's done. Yeah. <laughs> and and everything else was was just straight business. And I was, man, I I in my events company, nightlife company, I've been lucky to have met so much. It's incredible people, every from you name it, Justin Bieber to whoever it yeah. was. And it was so crazy. Um, Vinny from the Jersey Show, he came up to me yeah. one time. He's like, Look, man, I'm doing this improv thing. You should go try it out. Like, it's so cool. So I was like, All right, I'm going to go try it out. Then fell in love with performing. Wow. Performed on stage. <laughs> <Jersey Shore. laughs> yeah, performed on stage. Was in the Lower East Side, performing on stage. And then I was like, I'm nervous doing improv. I want to do scripted stuff. Yeah. And then I got into, so it was never a dream to me to be a movie star. Mm-hmm. I just liked performing. And yeah. then, then when I realized like, oh, I like the lights on me and why, and I'm, I'm scared shit. Okay. To, I was about to ask, is it the fear or is it the enjoyment? I'm scared shit to perform, to make people laugh on improv yeah. every time. But I was like, I want to perform. I yeah. love the lights. I'm not afraid of the lights. I'm not afraid to, to expose myself, be vulnerable. Yeah. So got onto that and then just honestly submitting in New York with agents and got a, a few co-star roles under yeah. my belt just from reaching out to casting directors. Yeah, I think in New York that hustles, a, it's a smaller market. So I think it's easier to grab those co-stars on like a law and order. They need a million right. perpetrators every week right. or whatever. Whereas in LA, we talked about it on our podcast, like yeah. you got to get the co-star to get the agent, but yeah. you need the agent to get the co-star. Yeah. So like, everyone in LA is like, how do I get a it's co-star a wrong, role? It's yeah. the wrong game. So like you got those co-star roles. This makeup artist told you, go to LA. Yeah, moved to LA and pulled up LA, <laughs> took my savings, left lucrative business behind yeah, and just moved out here to make it happen and um, made millions of mistakes yeah. since I've been here. A thousand failures, right? A thousand failures. Took d- d- four sets of headshots and spent money on this and this didn't even matter when I look back on it. So that's the reason why 1,000 failures came about because yeah. I was doing random stuff when I didn't need to do. You yeah. know? Did four levels of voiceover and I probably just needed one. Yeah, there's a lot of classes that people will sell you right, on out here. Right, because right. People are, you know, there's a lot of actors out here who didn't make it or need to make a little, they have kids and they need to make some money on the side. Right. They run a casting company. Or yeah, they, we, don't, we, don't, we don't pound on anybody's hustle, but no. in the same respect, uh, you need to know what's good for you. And yeah. I respect what you're doing on this podcast. It's just shedding light on what's going on. For me, I do the same on my podcast. Yeah. I like people to know what to do, cut the corner, save, save a buck. You yeah, know? I mean, it's amazing that there's so many classes out there, but you don't have to take all of them. You don't take, have to take, take all of <laughs> them. Take, take one or two in you know the commercial world, one or two in the theatrical world, and then just keep working, you know? Because right. if you paralyze yourself by training, you can get into this trap of never feeling right. ready, you know? Um, how would you compare the LA scene to the New York scene in terms of acting and booking and agents? Totally, totally different. Um, in New York, there's still the ability for you guys for you for those those eight what do you call them like agent calls or oh yeah the um casting directors casting workshops workshops right it's like pay to play right pay to play exists in new york and they're only like 40 dollars. the good thing yeah is that you get the emails for the casting directors you can track where they do and what they're casting Uh maybe send a like that that's important especially if you're moving to a new city yeah like i would say no one is ever going to sign a new actor. Like I, I'm saying it's absolute. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 
CAA is not going to sign no. a new actor and they, you know, on one of these casting things, right? No. So I would say use it more for casting directors developing a relationship, even if it's with the agent, maybe one day down the road, you could say, oh, I, yeah. I was in front of you one time. But that exists in New York. LA yeah. that doesn't exist. Yeah, they banned it in LA. Yeah, they banned so basically it. what it was, was you'd pay to go to these workshops with casting directors and they'd run you through a scenario. Mm -hmm. And they taught you a little bit, but really it was like, okay, then when you get called to my office for an audition, I'll help you get booked. Right. And it was how you got those first co-star roles. And it was kind of a hack to the system and everyone was kind of winking and nudging. And then there was a court case and it became illegal in LA. Right. So you can't do that, which makes it even harder to get those co-star right. roles like we were talking about. Yeah. So, so I would say in New York, that way of networking, it makes it a lot easier, especially yeah. if you're new, you don't know any events, anything going on in LA, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. If if you're hungry for it, you would find a way. If it's for yeah. you, you would find a way to meet these people in LA. And do you uh, think events are a big part of it? You you mentioned them a lot. It seems like yeah, getting out we, there and networking. Yeah, because because you mightn't meet like you're not gonna you might necessarily meet a director or producer, you right? Might. Or whatever you might, but Gives you the feel and the tone for LA, mm -hmm. right? If you if you move from I don't know Kansas and you came to LA and you've never been around people in the industry, when you're it's those things like you hang around the barbershop long enough, you're gonna get a cut. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. I like so so it's one of those things. It's not it's not an absolute, but one yeah. you know what the vibe of people are like. Uh, you could get advice sometimes. Sure. Um, go to a holiday party. You're going to crash somebody's holiday party. Like, you could crash anybody's holiday party. Yeah. Any production company's holiday party, you could crash it. Yeah. Right? yeah. I'm like, I'm like breaking the rules. I well, don't, yeah, but like, again, don't, you know, go and crash it, sneak in, get, get yours, but also like, have a conversation with someone that might benefit them. Don't make right. it all about you. Right. You know, be trying to what you're trying to do is add to the community. Oh wait, I got another one, what another you, gem, what you uh, another, another gem. As you said that, all right, this is advice for models, actors, whoever come into LA. Yeah, and um, you want to have some sort of value. Mm -hmm. I would say this: if you're gonna get a restaurant job, most people get restaurant bartending job. Yeah, get one at like a cool spot in LA. Don't okay. get it at like, don't get it. I'm I'm so controversial. Don't get like uh, a shitty one at Starbucks. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because you go to that same networking event and you work at Catch or you work at Tao or you work at Delilah, you could say, hey, you know, if you ever want to come to Delilah, which is a hard reservation to get, sure, I could hook you up with a reservation. Yeah, and now you have value, you have leverage. Mm -hmm. This town is leverage. Is yeah, I would say yes, it's leverage. And well, it's just going back to everyone's a business. Right. Whether you're a hostess at Delilah how, how, yeah. or a producer, you're all making business deals. Right. And how are you now? I'm, I'm at this event. Now I could provide some sort of value yeah. to this producer or director. And he could now, I could get him a reservation. Yeah. And I don't just seem like I just want, you know, I want you to put me in a movie. Yeah. No, no, I could, hey, I don't want you to put me in a movie, whatever. Look, yeah. if you ever want a reservation, I catch. Yeah. There you go. So I would say if you're moving to LA, find out where the hottest spots are to yeah. work. Make a list of a hundred. 
apply to all of them. I don't really care if you're like a host. Is understand? Right. Do that. You're now creating so much more value for yourself as opposed to just say, just being an actor. Yeah. But and, also, also have a heart like Darius because <laughs> LA gets a bad rap of being soulless and heartless and everyone's out just like right. for blood. But we need more people like you doing that hustle and adding yeah, value. I, I don't, I don't want to break it down into too much, yeah. but you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously be a nice person, but at the end of the day, it, this is how it works. If, if you met, I don't know, if you met Spielberg and yeah. you could get him a reservation, which he probably could get, you get him a reservation at the newest, hottest club because you work there or your your roommate works there. <laughs> this is a quite a fantasy. That's, Getting Spielberg a reservation. <laughs> that, I actually saw him at Catch one time. Really? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I saw Catch a couple of times. Uh, but he's friends with the owner. Yeah. So. One of the other things we talked about on your episode was... Uh, you know, you didn't realize that lifestyle modeling was this thing where like anyone, it, you don't have to be a beautiful person. You can be, there's like regular Joe looking lifestyle models. There's uh, plus size lifestyle models. There's old, young, everything. And it's a way to make make money on the side without having a restaurant job right. where you have to work at Starbucks because you couldn't get the job at Catch. Right. And you have to have a schedule that gets in the way of your auditions. But it also gets you on set. And whether you're just like sitting in a chair at a shoot for a condo building and being basically furniture, you get to look at what's going on on set. So when you get to that bigger job, you're comfortable. Right. So you're adding value to yourself. So like if you're moving to LA trying to be an actor, also try to be a lifestyle model. Michael probably has so much info on this, but yes, for sure. Try to get rid of a lifestyle yeah. agency. You don't need to be, you don't need to have a six pack to be a nope. lifestyle model. You don't need to be like a size two woman to in be fact it's going the other direction now it's, right it's, it want it's, relatable they want quirky yeah. everything they want freckles they want yeah gap tooth just like, yeah submit to all the agents yeah and uh just send your pictures you know i would say hit up michael yeah or you could hit me up and just ask for advice on what photos to, to use but this is what we're here for to give back yeah so. yeah and I, just, I think the trap people feel in la which everybody feels in la is Tom is just posted that he oh, is on yeah. a co-star set. And I wouldn't say Michael, Steve just finished this shoot in Oregon. Yeah. And I'm looking at everybody's page and I'm I'm thinking, I, I need to be doing something. I need to be moving. I need to mm -hmm. and one of the the one of the skills that you need in order to become a professional is mastering the art of stillness. Ah. And and are you comfortable being still? It's not about being are you comfortable being not unsuccessful? It's are you comfortable being still? Are you, are you able to deal with that? Because there are going to be periods that your, your career might take off yeah. and you might not get anything for five years. What are you going to do? You yeah. know, you're just going to pay for classes to say like that's going to get you back up. No, you have to be able to to do the right steps and take yeah, your time. I mean, stillness has been a big topic on this on this podcast lately. Man, so, I know, <laughs> my brother. But um, what can I hit you with? <laughs> so like. Like today, I mean, I was I was running around trying to find my AirPods because I was taking my dog for a hike, and I like literally was like, I must have flushed them down the toilet because I don't, I Lo could not lost find mine, lost mine yesterday. Yeah, as well. in the in the box or whatever, and I was like, they, I, I tore the house apart, and I was like, whatever. And I took for my dog for a hike, and I didn't listen to anything, and it was better. 
And I was uh, like, and I've been telling myself, to, I told people to do that on this podcast. I was like, go for a walk and don't listen to anything. And I was here, I was so frustrated. I didn't have my AirPods and then I couldn't find them. And I went for the walk and I was still and just like had some time to think and to look at nature, yeah. get up to the top of Griffith, look down on this city and say like, ah, fuck you. Like, you're not that yeah. bad. Right. And and for me, what what I have done and I've, it's like people think social media is bad. Social media yeah. is not bad. Social media is, is amazing. It could grow your business. It could grow your brand. It's there for good. It's how you look at it. It's mm-hmm. bad. And when you look at other people to compare yourself, it's going to be bad no matter what. Because yep. you're going to think that you're better than other people and overestimate yourself. Yeah. And you're also going to think that other people are better than you and underestimate yourself. So what I do, there's yeah. a little button I like to hold on people's story. And it says hide story and hide yeah. pose. So anyone who's who I think I've ever done that, uh, I felt a certain way about mm-hmm. every single person. If you look at my, if I pull up my phone right now, you're not hidden. <laughs> not you're not hidden. <laughs> but okay. uh, I've had so many people. I've just hid there. You just learn to use social media to yeah. uh, to your advantage. Yeah. Don't let it advantage you. Don't let yourself wake up in the morning, and the first thing you look at is social media and. You start comparing. Don't let that be your first thought. Don't yeah. let that be your last thought, right? I think that's what a lot of people are, are dealing with in LA. And because all these acting schools are post uh, or pre-social media, all these establishments are pre-social media, yep. no one teaches anyone to handle that. And I think that's the biggest battle a lot of yeah. creators deal with. Either, either you're a musician, you're a model, you're an actor, you're a dancer. Everyone looks left, everyone looks right on social media and they don't use social media to their advantage. Right. They let social media control them and that forces you to then make to go buy the, the $500 headshots because mm-hmm. someone headshots look good. Yeah. There's right. so many, yeah, that, and that's, so what do you think, how do you identify with all this, this glut of information, right. you know, you could sit there, I, I watch people looking at stories, 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 right. stories, stories, and it's like, you have to have a diet of what you're taking in mentally, right. like you do what you take in nutritionally, and Joe Rogan talks about that on his podcast all the time, about like, you gotta like, if you don't want to get fat, like don't walk down the cookie aisle. If you don't want to feel bad about yourself, maybe don't follow that like 21 year old Instagram girl who, you know, photoshops all her photos and is always in Bali because it's going to make you feel like you're not doing anything with your life. So you got to have this sort of mental diet or like informational diet. But after you've done that, how do you decide how to push you know, because you've had you've had these conversations on your podcast with casting directors and agents, mm. and how are you navigating the LA landscape as opposed to the New York landscape? All right, I, f- I first moved into LA. I was here alone and trying to figure things out. Made made one thousand failures, yeah, <laughs> one thousand mistakes. But when I realized that I was looking left, looking right, started to mute those things off of social media and. When I got a whiteboard, I'll advise everyone, invest in a whiteboard. It's Christmas. Ask for a whiteboard from your parents. Yeah. And just write your name down and just branch it off. Write your name in the middle of the whiteboard uh-huh. and just draw spokes, like six spokes, and what you need to become successful at your brand and as an artist. Mm-hmm. For me, I did that. I said, okay, like I would say... My my training I did in New York was I think was really good, and maybe I don't need as much training. But what I do need is to go to more events, go to network a little bit more. So I yeah. put increase events as one. I put keep my body in check. Yep. Two, I would put um, 
follow up with people I've met. Three. Yeah. For each spoke, I'd put what I needed to do specifically weekly that I needed to do to increase my business. As an as a creative, as an artist, you have to, well, I think we look at ourselves as talented. Mm-hmm. You have to look at yourself as a business. Yeah. Right? Forget your talent. Everybody has talent. I hate that. Every, I hate every, when they call you talent. Every every every, every yeah. everyone everyone could act. Like it's it's crazy. It's not like not everyone could win an Oscar, but everyone could could say, Hey, do you want coffee? Yeah. Everyone could get a co star. Oh yeah. What what are you gonna do to put yourself in the realm of people picking for that co co star? Well and that's that's such a smart, measured way to go about it. And I, going back to our podcast we did on your on your podcast, you were talking about how if you have a dream, go for it. Like don't make a stupid decision and just jump into it, but take steps towards it. Right. And that's uh, I think I've mentioned this book before. It's, it's called Talent is Overrated by this guy, Cal Newport. And it's all about how it's not about like making these jumps and like taking these risks. But like, you know, you did take a risk by moving from Trinidad and Tobago to New York, but you did it in very carefully measured steps and you did it very smartly. And, you know, like having those spokes on your whiteboard of who you are and where you need to right. be. It's not just like you wrote Oscar. Like right. that's not you can't get from Darius to Oscar, right. but you can get from Darius to go to more events, keep in touch with the people I met on set. I met you on set. We kept in touch, you know. So I think that's smart. I'm right. getting a whiteboard tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, whiteboard for sure. I, I'd recommend it to every single person. That whiteboard spoke I did a year and a half ago. I would say really gave me a direction. And yeah. if you don't have that direction on your GPS, you could end up everywhere. That's those are the people who end up quitting their career yeah. early. I, I think everybody can make it. I think a lot of people give up, and a lot of people don't give a hundred percent. For like, let's say you give you had a five years to give it a hundred percent. Yeah, people will give it the hundred percent for like the first year and a half. Mm-hmm. Right? Not everyone gives a hundred percent, and, and then down. it goes down. Right? And then that waitress job or that bartending job looks a little bit more lucrative. So right. I stopped doing the things that I need to do, which is network, which is put my talents out there. Okay. So and what, so what Darius direction, what is it? One word. Create value. Two, that's two words. <laughs> but as, as an actor. Value it, dash added. Okay. <laughs> Val, value added. I'll take it. But is it as an actor or is it just as a person? I, I think, I, I think it's I I I struggle to to find the words because it's more than an actor it's more than a person I'm a business I'm a I'm an I'm an entertainer yeah right I I will do modeling jobs I will do acting jobs I will do speaking engagements yeah right I will do that and my goal for me Darius is a person to put his talents out there for the world right. to inspire other people. That's it. So whatever category it falls or whatever I'm platform I'm given, I'm yeah. gonna take that platform. So, so when you told me I was a model, I said, Oh I actually went back home and I was like, I'll take that platform. Yeah. You know, I'll take I'll be the best at it. You know, so whatever year it was, I, I did like fifteen jobs of model and I just moved to LA. Yeah, you you're a model. <laughs> so so it was it was insane to to see that that it's about who you are as yeah. a person, but I look at myself more as a business. Okay, and um, I like to create value, and I would, imp- <laughs> I would employ every single person to find a way to move up 
the creative chain of value. For example, you're you have your own podcast. Yeah, you're connecting with people in the industry. You're you're putting you're you're still doing your your job. But you're still climbing up the chain. So yeah. interviewing casting directors, you're on. A, they look at you in a different realm right now. They don't look at you as just an actor. So when I, I don't want to be looked at just an actor, I'm a podcaster. You are. Yeah. Uh, I I'm a person that put my talents out there. And if you could write. If you could, if you don't like, if you don't have a good voice, if you could write, if yeah. you could do YouTube videos, like, yeah. I would say put your talents out there, get onto LinkedIn, get onto Facebook, get onto Instagram, put your talents out there and don't just post pictures. Everyone can post pictures. That's not added value. No. How do you help other That's people? That's just added value to your ego. Right. Well, I love that you, you, when I asked, I wanted you to say actor when I asked for what your direction was right. and I love that you didn't because- it's more, you have more of a mission than a goal. Right. You have this mission of adding value in whatever iteration of your life you're currently in. Right. So I'd imagine, you know, getting a scholarship to go to New York was inspiring for your community back home. You know, you're adding value to your soccer team at St. Francis. Right. You're adding value Good to memory. the, <laughs> I think for a second, you're adding value to the New York nightclub scene by being a, a considerate event producer who's right. thinking about how can I make things better? How can I make people happier? How can I make them want to use my service again and not Correct. be constantly frustrated by like promoters who come in, party too much, roll out. You know, I'm sure it's the same right. kind of scene. That's that's great. Yeah, I would say, I think that's it right there and it just hit me. I think that's it right there. Forget, as a creative, forget your talents. Yeah. Forget, leave it out of the Like right now, if you listen to this, forget your talents. Yeah. Everybody has talent. Yeah. Everybody could sing. Everybody could dance. Everybody could act. Everybody could model. Everybody could take a picture, post it on Instagram. How are you adding more value? How are you going to stand out? And I'm not saying go volunteer at this film festival yeah. to like, until I get in the good books of people. Because if you go volunteer, and this might be controversial, but you go volunteer they're, they're going to look at you as a volunteer. How could a casting director or, or agents look at you as, wow, like I actually think of this person as as my peer yeah. or I, they could add value to me. Aspirational, yeah. Right. Even. Look at, forget forget your talents. Like every, every agent, every casting director, every producer, director has seen it all. Like yeah. you're not the newest fish on, in town. Whatever, I don't care. Forget your talents yeah. and ask yourself, how could you add value to the people you want to reach? Well, and that's the key. That's the key is it has to be you truly selflessly trying to add value to other people's lives. If you, if you say, oh, I'm going to go volunteer at this film festival so I can rub shoulders with some producers, you're doing that for you. Right. You don't care about volunteering. You don't care about helping out the community. Exactly. That's so my point. That's the my intention. Point. Yeah, the right, intention that's my point. is everything. That's my, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people are going to volunteer? They're just doing it to get in the good books of people. Of course. So I'm not killing all the volunteers out there, <laughs> but you're volunteering at a film festival, giving your time for free. Yeah. And you could be at home making, like working on your own craft, mm -hmm. right? Going to events or even if it's to attend the film festival, but create some sort of value, even if it's a, a, a service for agents. I don't yeah. know what the service is. Maybe you might say, I'll work at an agent's office for free. I'll work at a casting office for free. Yeah. Hey, would you take me to a cast? They would look at it as like, wow, you're actually providing me more this value. Hustle, as, yeah. as opposed to, as opposed to, I'm volunteering at something where they just look at you as a volunteer. But if you provide them on a service and look, 
I would love to work for you for free, minimum wage. I don't care. Yeah. I have extra time. I'll do it. But that's what too many people get caught up on. They get caught up on, I need an agent. Mm -hmm. So I'm about to send a million emails to 200 agents. And I got, I was in there one time. Yep. Even though I, I, I knew I had talent, Yeah. I got caught up in the fact of, uh, I would send 200 emails out. I did stuff like that. I, I tried. Yeah. And it didn't work. <laughs> but until I realized, wow, what value did I provide these agents? And with one, every one more headshot to look yeah, at. Yeah, one more headshot to look at. But I would say when I realized that I am a business and how valuable is my business? Is it easily replaceable? Is it memorable? Yeah. Or is it something that provides service to the people that I want to connect with? So how would you use that approach in getting an agent as opposed to just sending out spraying emails at the at the world? Yeah. How would you do that? to approach something like getting a theatrical agent, which everyone in LA is trying to get right. a theatrical. Right. So some, something simple as I'll go up to the gun range, mm -hmm. get a, get a, learn how to shoot. Mm -hmm. I'll put that skill on my, my resume. So now I could shoot. Yep. I could learn to speak Spanish in yeah. level one or level two. So that's another one I mm -hmm. could do. I, I'm adding value to my business. Yeah. I want, before I go to an agent, I want to add value to my business. Yeah. Right. That's Before, one of the first things that my theatrical agent said to me was like, learn Russian. She's exactly. like, white guys right now are playing gangsters and thugs. Learn a few exactly, words in Russian. Exactly. Don't, don't, don't think that talent is not going to get you anywhere. Writing, I could act, I train at this and this. Every single person yeah. is trained. So you have to pull yourself out of that box and be like, what? Am I seen on TV right now? What is, what has always been on TV? People yeah. shooting guns. Yeah. Driving people cars. People fighting, combat, yeah. driving. Yeah. So, Instead of you spending money, and this is not a knock to everybody, if you think that you have enough skill right now in acting, mm -hmm. why not spend some of that money on learning a skill so that your value and your portfolio now goes up so that they can say, wow, you know, we don't have anybody who could shoot. Or yeah. We don't have anybody who can speak Portuguese. And they're filming a lot of stuff. Um, Netflix is doing a lot of Latin stuff right now. Yeah. So maybe this, I might look to take a meeting with this person and... I'm about to jump on that process right now too of looking for a new manager and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I have to look and evaluate myself and say, what have I done to provide value to people in this industry? Yeah. What have I what have I done? And also put, even if you didn't book a lot, if you got callbacks, put the callbacks, put which casting offices yeah. that you have a relationship with, that's a value. Um, that's yeah, smart. I would say like if if you got callbacks, say like this office uh, East whatever is calling me back a mm -hmm. lot say look I get called into this office so they like me they trust they, me they like me and that's adding value so that makes their submission process a lot yeah. easier yeah. so put that on there uh, I missed one just now I was thinking about oh and if you looking for theatrical do self-tapes even if you don't have a reel mm -hmm. do self-tape auditions amazing ones make a reel of yeah. like um, like two minutes max yeah. uh, of different ranges that you have so that you can see you could actually act you or, could, you could audition uh, as opposed to you just saying it yeah you know with all the real so yeah. i would say those two things just came in my mind that's smart. so everyone could get yeah it. we we're too overcome with with how talented we are and oh, how good looking we are. you're so interchangeable brad pitt got to where he is because you know the legend of brad pitt is that 
his scene partners in his acting class used to call their teacher and say like, don't match me up with Brad. He won't leave my apartment. All he wants to do is run the scene over and over and over and over again. Wow. He worked his ass off. He was in central casting doing, uh, what's it called? Background work. And they got like fired from them. So he never uses that service for his production company. But, you know, he worked his ass off and he got to the top. But, you know, one misstep along the way and there's some other Brad Pitt. There's, right. you know, Brad Burns, who would have made it, who looked just like him, would have been people's sexiest man of 2001 or whatever. I'm not knocking Brad Pitt, but I don't, what I'm trying to say is like, it's in everyone. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It is, it is, everyone has the talent. It's just how do you, how do you look attractive to the people that you want to attract? Yeah. You know, not every relationship with an agent is going to hit. And what your goal is, your goal is not to, in an email, win over an agent to say, wow, you're the, you're the next Brad Pitt. Right. Your goal is to get your meeting. And that's, apart from adding value, a lot of people don't know what their goal is. Mm -hmm. Your goal isn't to win an agent or a casting director by saying, these are my postcards of a casting director. Could you please keep me in mind? Like, they're going to have a lot of those, but your goal is, why would that casting director keep my postcard? Why would that agent want to meet with me? Yeah, and it could be as simple as remember the camera ops name. You know, like sometimes simple. you see the same camera ops over and over and over again. Simple. Maybe one day be like, hey man, I know you kind of remember my name. Like, what's your name? And the next time you go and be like, what's up, Ezra? And then he might give you one more take on that, you know, audition. I just came from an audition for a commercial and it's with a casting company that likes me. And as I was doing the audition, one of the casting associates came into the room. And I noticed that he was just giving me like a couple more takes because I've done good jobs for them. I've always shown up on time. I've never missed a casting. And he's like, I want to help Michael as much as possible because he's been good to us. So I'm going to help him. I could just tell he was tweaking me like just so slightly (laughs) and like fingers crossed, but who knows? Um, But that's because I've added value to their casting company by providing reliable talent that they can give to clients who will then give them feedback saying, oh yeah, that guy Michael gave away books for X shoot. He was great. And then they know that they can safely bring me in and encourage me yep. to go do the same thing yeah, again. Yeah, because there's, you're a good looking guy. But, <laughs> but what does that but, mean? But you're easily interchangeable. You know what I mean? But if the guy who is cool, friendly, shows up, like values even showing up on time, showing up every time. Yeah. You know? Oh, I was nervous about being, I didn't want to be late to this. Right. Your value is showing up every time, being on time, having a good attitude. Like that's adding value. Yeah. So as simple as that. I mean, simple you, you, as you don't have to think about these grand things like how can I offer someone a service? Just like, yeah. like the little things of like, don't fuck up the basics. Like right. be on time, be polite. Get the basics. You know, yeah. just that's added value because there are people who don't do that and you'll watch them fall away. And if you stick to your path, You'll continue right. to rise. Patience, man. Um, there's Patience. a there's a technique you talked about on your podcast where you have this like toolbox of facial emotions right. that you use in auditions. Yes, sir. I want you to explain that a little bit because I loved it, and I want to start being more diligent about practicing it. Right. So I have in this pile of boxes somewhere. Somewhere. Um, I got a bunch of expressions uh, from my voiceover, which I guess I learned it in voiceover. Interesting, but. I got these expressions being, I don't know, overzealous or like disappointed. Just random ones that I have, yeah. like eight to ten of them. And I really practiced those early on in the onset when I was becoming this commercial actor when I moved mm-hmm. to LA. Mm-hmm. And 
and they it I can't tell you how much it helps because you we all know if you've ever been on a set directions change so fast yeah. emotions change so fast like my boy Akil here he came on set with me when I I shot a Lexus commercial and yeah. the, the director I, I was driving this this Lexus car it's a night winding curves yeah yeah I remember the story yeah Ca camera in my face smoke all I have is his walkie talkie in the back of my car and he is saying more happy no teeth yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah you know aggressive and so, you're like nah, nah. so and, it, and and it's it's like 40 people in video village watching you perform yeah. and they're all waiting on you in this cold yeah. night so if if my smile with no teeth isn't good mm -hmm. and I, I don't have it on call like I don't look professional you know yeah and and the same thing for castings you could get into uh, well it's totally different for casting yeah. on set you have you've, you know you've spoken with a director ideally right. you've seen the mood boards you've right. seen the storyboards they've talked to you about like this is a serious car commercial you're right. you're a serious lexus owner you're a successful guy so it's night you're trying to get home safely to your kids right. like you know a little bit about what's going on in a commercial audition you walk in like you know the wardrobe. That's right. about it. Like you right. walked into this callback, which is a callback, so you knew you had more information. But probably the first audition, you knew you were middle America black guy, right. and then they could have asked you to go hunting. They could have asked you to be with your well, girlfriend. Well, today they actually switched it up because right. on on the first time we did it, it was me and my pretend girlfriend. Yep. Uh, on a hike, you know, we exhausted. So even having in my toolkit exhausted, yeah. like. I know what my exhausted is like, so I'm like, <sighs> yeah. like, you know, you make that emotion, you connect with the side of the camera, mm -hmm. they see it in your eye, you practice that, and I know what that is like, and they just switch it up to, we're coming from the farmer's market, and we're putting away cans of grocery. That expression, that ability to switch, um, and, and just being warm, they, they, they said, just be warm. That's such a, that's one of the trickiest ones. It's like, right. be happy, but don't be overly, just like right. exude, like, yeah. like, what does it feel like to walk home with your girlfriend and just put the groceries away? Like, you're you're just fine. Right. And what does my, that look on, like? On my list of, of stuff, it's, it's being warm or mm -hmm. amicable, you know, and, and it's, if you practice that, it becomes so natural, you could switch it. It doesn't throw you off yeah. the second you get into a uh, uh, commercial or uh, casting it's it you're you're on point because i know what my warm is like yeah. i know what my scared is like i know what my calm is like i know what my happy with with no teeth is like yeah i, I have all those in my toolkit yeah. so i would say get in i get starting off get like 15 expressions At all least, varied, yeah yeah and work on those in the mirror so like on your way to your casting or your audition you could practice those so if you're in there and it's it might be like a mcdonald's commercial and the direction will change from he was disappointed he lost his burger. Yeah. You know, you 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 was happy to see the burger and yeah. then they took it away and you're disappointed. Yeah. Could you transition enough for a job that could be worth sixty K? Yeah. You know With, you don't have a mirror in the room to say, Hold on, let me second one second, let me figure out what disappointed is. Exactly. So practice it while you have a mirror right. in your bathroom. No one's watching exactly. you, no one's judging you. It's just like I like to go on the treadmills at the gym because there's 20 TVs right. and I don't watch any of them. I don't listen to any of them. I just watch the commercials coming up on each one nice. to see what are people wearing. Yeah. Because so I know that like, oh, in a pharmaceutical ad, they're wearing, you know, like non-pattern button down right. shirts. I j just like you do before you go to an audition. I prepare before I have to show up to the room. Right. So I'm ready to go. Because when you're in that audition and they say, oh, you, you're happy you got a burger. Now you're sad you got a burger. 
you don't have any time to prepare. Yeah. It just has to be there. Right. And that's adding value. Oh, this guy can change in an instant, especially in a callback where a lot of times the director is just trying to prove or just kind of test to see if you take direction. You have to just have an automatic idea of what disappointment looks like on your face. Exactly. And one, one way to do that is one way to use social media to your advantage as opposed to your disadvantage, like we were talking about earlier, is look at, like, you know, I do a lot of fitness modeling. Look at Tim Tatter's profile. He's a huge fitness photographer. What do the models look like on Ooh, his pages? That's a good word. You know, there's some, like, having done this for a long time, I know the, like, you know, hands on the knees just finished a run or the oh, warming up, stretching before a run or mid run or intense run or happy run. I, I can kind of get those. I know where my face goes on those. But, like, you don't want to be figuring that out in front of the lens. What, figure that out while you're staring at your camera looking at a killer like Steph Cordial or Chris Reed and say, what does his face look like when he's doing that cool jump that everyone does? And then go in the bathroom and do it and look stupid for yourself so you don't look stupid for 40 people on set. You know? I mean, it's, it's simple as that. Practice it in front of your girlfriends and boyfriends. Yeah, they're, they'll be the most gentle with you, I think. How, so, man, you're inspiring, dude. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've given so many gems. Do you have one last piece of advice for anyone anyone who is a value creator? Value creator. Um, well, I'll just relate it back to my show, 1,000 Failures. I would say that in this world, um, 2019, mm -hmm. and in this world, I think too many people think that failure is bad. I think people believe that failure is the end of the world. Failure is part of your success. Every single successful people, I like to look at, take out my mentors, for example, yeah. and and what have they done? Have they failed? Like if they didn't fail, I'd be like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> failure is part of your story. It's part of the process in your bag of your grocery bag from Trader Joe's of success. Failure yeah. is in there. Hard yeah. work is in there. And I want everyone to know that when you try something and you fail, that means you're doing something. If you're not failing, if this week you didn't fail at something in your career, mm -hmm. that means you're not doing anything. You're not yeah. doing the right thing. So No one has that gilded career right. where they never fail. Right. So so failure is a part of the process Yeah. and embrace it, mm -hmm. enjoy it. Mm take a late payment if you have to for whatever but just know yet your in your intention yeah is on bettering your career and your business and failure is a part of it and enjoy it enjoy the process your your day could come to next week it could come five years from now but there will be a lot of highs you know be on your on your journey there and yeah. a lot of failures so embrace it and um yeah that's it well dude Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me in your home, your new home. Um, unfurnished and dark. Everyone, unfurnished and dark. Everyone should listen to 1000 Failures podcast. You got some new episodes coming up soon. You're done with season one. Yeah, we have, I have one more episode and then I'm doing a brand new series called The One on One, which is me talking about everyone and what tools I think you need to have. Patience, humility, hard work, understanding failure. Yeah. So I'm about to release that. It's awesome. a shorter form version. But one more episode I have with his casting director is cool. pretty cool. So. so look forward to that. And then uh, yeah, just follow Darius because he's not one of those people you want to, what is it, hide story? Yeah, don't hide my story. Everything I have is positive. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, man. Hey, thank you. All right. Bye, kids. Bye.